Thank you, colleagues. Please be seated. Trouble whipping them in tonight, didn't we? Right. Uh, welcome to members of the public here, as well as those that I believe listen on a broadcast through the microphones. Um, when you speak, most of you know this already, but please will you switch on uh, your microphone. Uh, it gets a red light when it's on. Uh, everybody can see this except you as the speaker, so that makes it very interesting. Uh, if you don't switch the microphone on, we can't hear you, and it's not broadcast. Uh, for those who are listening rather than here in the chamber, if and when we take a vote, and we have several this evening, um, I'll state whether it's unanimous or if it's close, then I'll give the numbers. Of course, obviously, uh, if you're not actually in the chamber, that's not, it's not clear. Okay, so moving on... We have three registered public speakers this evening. Let me just uh, make sure we're in sequence. Yeah, sorry, before that, uh, apologies for absence. Thank you, Chair. We've had apologies from Councillors Barker and Councillor Merrifield. Yes. Thank you. Any other apologies at all? No, thank you. Uh, Then you'd like the public speaking right now, wouldn't you? Okay, fine. We'll Sorry, do the public speaking now. Forgive me, Chair. Uh, first instance. I think there's Alan Story as well. Apologies. Alan Storer. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, item. It doesn't even have a number, actually. Item. The first, second item on the agenda is public speaking. Mr. Brett, are you there? Can you find yourself a microphone, please? Switch it on, and uh, you have three minutes. Thank you. Stansted, Elston, Takeley and other rapidly expanding settlements in the southwest of Uddlesford with a total of 25,000 residents are in desperate need of improved community sports facilities. Stansted Football Club came within a couple of points of winning the Essex Senior League last season, beating Saffron Wall and a host of other clubs. While this would normally fuel the enthusiasm of the club, there were rising worries about the costs of promotion. In order to go from a step five to a step four league, the club would have to have spent at least £20,000 on improvements to the ground and facilities to meet league requirements. This is money that it cannot easily raise. As a result, it is in a perpetual catch-22. The football club shares the Hargrave Park ground with the Stansted Cricket Club, which has over 140 members, more than half of whom are junior members aged under 15. However, it also requires investment to sustain and expand its activities so it can be a hub of community cricket in Stansted and the surrounding villages. Both clubs struggle to get funding because they do not own Hargrove Park. This has cut them off from grant-giving bodies like the National Lottery. Stansted residents do not have the wealth of Saffron residents to devote their own funds and resources to projects. The village has a relatively high level of deprivation, with a quarter of children in Stansted South facing poverty, and Forest Hall Secondary School having the highest rate of child, children on free school meals in the district, about 40%, 14%. I call on UDC to address this inequality and work with the football and cricket clubs at Hargrave Park to invest at least 40 to £50,000 in Hargrave Park's football and cricket facilities. 
This is a fraction of the £500,000 Essex is investing, UDC is investing in Saffron Walden's running track at Carver Barracks. It's far smaller than the £900,000 3G football pitch planned for Walden. Elsenham also has severe constraints to the community sports. Elsenham Youth Football Club has more than 400 members, uh, players in 18 teams spanning nine different age groups. Despite the community's best efforts, the Elsenham Recreation Ground is not an adequate surface for uh, training and games. It lacks floodlights and suffers during heavy rain. 30 seconds, sir. So cricket in Elsenham also suffers challenges. The Stansted Hall and Elsenham Cricket Club suffered the loss of their pavilion on the Elsenham ground three years ago due to arson. They tried to raise funds to rebuild it, but have had to abandon that project and have since moved to grounds elsewhere. So I call on UDC to gather councillors, local sports clubs, schools, particularly Forest Hall School, and sports bodies to establish decent modern cricket grounds and sports uh, football facilities in the area, including 3G pitches. We cannot continue with this widening inequality of community sports provision in Uttlesford, which benefits the richest and punishes the poorest. Thanks. Thank you, and I apologise for the quality of the microphone. We're going to change it for the next speaker, if we can. I think that... I think that's in hand. Good. Uh, there's a trick with these microphones. Of course, they're digital. Um, you don't want to get too close to them. They don't like that. They cut out if you get too close. So there's an art to using them. If you're about a foot or so away or a bit more, uh, they're at their best. Okay. Uh, the next speaker that I have is indeed uh, Mr. Allington. We're going to ask uh, Edward Gildier to speak to item... Uh, the item later on, so we'll keep you for a little bit later. So, Mr. Allington, are you available? Thank you. Let's uh, switch on the light and you'll, you'll be there. It's okay. Good evening all. Paul Allington from the Atos for Green Party. Hello. I wanted to briefly say a big hurrah and well done to John Lodge and the team and, and this council um, with the direction it is currently travelling in declaring a climate and ecological emergency and crucially following through in the actions it has taken since. With steps like the Climate Change Working Group, which we look forward to participating in and agreeing those drastic changes that we must now take on the path to zero carbon um, by 2030 but also seeing the climate and ecological emergency coming through in planning decisions such as on Divigier Avenue, an amazing step this council has taken towards ring-fencing areas of land for rewilding, something we hope to see much more of over the coming years. As you all know, we must protect these areas from unnecessary development and keep Uttlesford green. One thing I'm confident that we won't, but I'll reiterate, reiterate, reiterate of course, is that as a district we mustn't fall into the oh-so-common trap of box-ticking and clinging to what we have done. We must always look forward to what we will do. Better electrical charging infrastructure, public transport, making it easy for all people to make green choices and particularly holding firm on Stansted Airport and the local plan. The other trap we must not fall into is wholly relying on reports that paint a cheerful picture based on unreliable and inaccurate data, such as the recent report released on air quality. When making decisions, we must review these reports, of course, but also combine them with a common-sense approach. For example, when you can actually taste pollution and physically wipe it off windows, it doesn't matter what the report says. Common sense, this is not actually okay. Unfortunately, for you all sitting here, this may well be a thankless task sometime, hence why I have come here tonight. 
Can we ever really do enough? But rest assured, we can all see where we started and where we are going, and we know that this council will lead us forward to hitting that net zero carbon target of 2030. Thank you very much. Excellent, thank you. Uh, we now move on to the minutes of the meeting, which was held on the 30th of July. Uh, we, I believe there is an amendment which one of the members wishes to make. Councillor Dean. Yes, Ch Chairman. The uh, minute C32, which is on the questions to leaders, the leader, etc. The third paragraph says that I said that there was a need for a corporate plan because the um, preparation of the budget would begin, I actually said September, but it was about preparation rather than approving. So the, the statement here which says that the budget would be approved in November is wrong on two counts, and I'd like it corrected, please. Uh, is that a, a correct correction? It is, Chair. In that case, subject to that uh, correction, is it your wish that I sign these minutes as a true and accurate record? Councillor Jard. Sorry, Mr Chair, yes, just wanted to, I, I see that you have the, the question I made in the, in the minutes regarding the, um, I think it was in C28, uh, regarding okay. the, the live can you, costs. Can you stand up, please? Apologies. Um, thank you very much for, for uh, asking Essex for those costs. I notice you have them on the board, so I just wanted to thank you for that. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, it's down to the Chief Executive, who was very efficient at getting this sorted out. Thank you. Was there another speaker that uh, wanted to come forth? No, no, shaking his head firmly. Right. I can now move on to item three, which is a petition. Uh, uh, we have a speaker, Mr. Gildia. Would you like to find yourself a microphone, please, and uh, uh, tell us? You have three minutes, thank you. Um, Edward Gilday, Green Party and St Mary's Church Eco Team. I'm sure you all have read in the report about how Uttlesford was rated as poor in the recent Friends of the Earth report. The good thing about a report like that when you're newly elected is that it is clearly the legacy of the previous administration and the, really only, the only way to really go now is up. Our tree cover was 6% compared to a maximum of 34% elsewhere. Only 23% of our commuter journeys are taken by public transport and only 45% of our homes are adequately insulated. So we have a long journey to go. One of the many opportunities that was missed by the previous administration was to insist that solar panels be installed on the enormous roof of the new B&M, Pets at Home and Costa Coffee complex. I imagine that something in the region of 100 panels could have been fitted there, producing electricity for the neighbouring community. It really is time to put a line in the sand. So I was delighted to learn that planning permission to build more houses on the woodland at the top of Divisier Avenue had been turned down by the planning committee. This woodland is a rather scruffy, neglected plot, um, and not home to any great oaks or beech trees, trees but it certainly bears, and certainly bears no comparison with the Amazon rainforest, but in its own way is a haven for wildlife and biodiversity with great potential for more. 
It is great that we are starting to rewrite the script in which money holds sway and nature is repeatedly sacrificed for business interests around the world by putting our own house in order. While I was exploring that woodland, I noticed that not a single one of the new Bloor estate homes there has an EV charging point. Indeed, the sales office lady was bemused when I asked her about it. This is another line we must draw in the sand. And I now have the pleasure of presenting a petition of signatures that was organised by Vivian and Gay Veal to urge you to install electric vehicle charging points to improve air quality and the health of residents. We fully support your five-year programme that you've started to do just that. At the classic car show, we have six electric cars on display, which caused a great deal of amusement since no one could find any engines either in the boot or under the bonnet, nor could they find any batteries, but these were superb and wonderful, exciting cars. This is the future. There is no alternative. Please ensure that Uttlesford is ahead of the game and not behind it. And if you've got your own roof, or ga- uh, your own roof and garage or driveway, please start driving on sunshine yourselves. It is a very cool way to get about. I have the pleasure. Who should I present this petition to? Come forward and we'll receive it here. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Mr. Gildia. Um, just a couple of quick points. One is that the town council actually has uh, a van which is electric. We have at least one. I think we're talking about getting a second one. And it uh, works extremely well for our sort of purpose. Obviously, it's fully electric. It's not a hybrid. Um, if you're a cyclist, you call them silent death because they slide up beside you silently at traffic lights. And it suddenly just appears out of nowhere. Uh, and where I live in the middle of town, uh, my neighbour across the way has just got himself a... Uh, one of the top-end electric cars, and install a charging point at his own expense. And there's two more going in very close to me. So we're trying to do our bit here. In terms of solar panels, um, I did manage to insist on the planning committee uh, getting solar panels put onto uh, a building which is being built next door to Ridgins. It's uh, a workshop. Uh, the actual plans had solar panels all over them, plans submitted by the developer, but they omitted to mention it anywhere in the text. So we made it a condition that the roof be covered with solar panels in the way that was shown in the diagram. Unfortunately, as I say, what, there was no written uh, evidence, but it just looked right, you know, uh, but they hadn't bothered to actually mention it in the application. So I'm, at a personal level, I'm totally in favour of um, doing everything we possibly can to make our buildings nice and green. Uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. I, I just wanted to add my own personal note to this, if I could, actually. Um, I'd like to thank Mr. Gildea for, for bringing us this petition. I, I think it is really, really important. Um, and obviously, thanks to Viv and Gayville for this and the um, information that, that they've sent. I just wanted to make a, a, a quick point. Um, We're not actually having a debate, so very, very I just briefly, want to make, on this yeah. point, I'd just like to say that um, I think that having read the information and the Friends of the Earth report, I'd like to propose uh, for discussion later, perhaps, and possibly with officers, that we actually might think about um, 
taking a step to having the recommended 55 electric charging points in Uttlesford over the coming perhaps 18 months or so as an idea to move forward, bearing in mind our our position on climate change. Yes, thank you for that. We we haven't got it as scheduled as a debate this evening. We can have one in the future, and I look forward to that. Thank you. Okay, item four, which gives me great pleasure uh, to move on to item four. It's uh, present uh, the Town Council, Saffron Warden Town Council, with uh, the National Association of Local Councils Foundation Award, which uh, we have won. Uh, may I invite Joy Darby to come forward? If you come all the way forward, if you go around the, th- this way. Two awards. Good evening everybody. Thank you very much for having us here this evening to present the award. My name is Amanda Brown. I work for the Essex Association of Local Councils and I'm responsible for the Local Council Award which is a prestigious national scheme Um, and it allows for the uh, improvement and development of parish and town councils Um, with their vital work that they do within the communities. Um, We have, there are three levels of the award. We have 36 um, councils in Essex who have the Foundation Award and there are 216 nationally. We have uh, 14 councils at the quality level and there are 104 nationally. And we have four councils at the Gold Ward, which um, there are 46 nationally. Now, Saffron Walden have achieved the Foundation Award, and this proves that they have attained the the sector standard, as well as the kudos of being the first uh, first town council to receive uh, an award within Uttlesford. The award scheme is managed online, so councils upload their documents to a website, and this is for the purposes of evidencing good practice and operating lawfully within the sector. So for councils like Saffron Walden, who are confident... Um, that they perform to a very high standard, the scheme provides them with assurance and also recognises their commitment and hard work. So first of all, I'm Joy Darby from the Essex Association. I'm the Chief Executive and it gives me great pleasure to be here tonight to say congratulations to Saffron Walton Town Council. Um, It's not the only award they've got recently, and I think it's really good to to note the awards that they have picked up. Um, They're celebrating being one of the top 500 destinations in the country, which I think is absolutely amazing. I think it was 123, um, your chairman informed me earlier. But this year also, they picked up the Essex Association of Local Councils Award for Community Leadership. 
um, demonstrating great leadership within the town, looking at neighbourhood planning, working with neighbouring um, councils, development, and looking at transport. They're looking at local needs, their wants, aspirations of the community, and they're helping to fulfil those. They also picked up at the same awards ceremony the EALC, Vaughton's Council of the Year Award, which is a great award to achieve, and I think it shows how hard the council work, how hard the staff work, and how dedicated the councillors are to deal with it. But moving on to the actual award that you're going to present them with tonight, um, this is a national scheme, it's peer-reviewed, and I'm going to just read you out a few bits that the chairman of the panel said about this council. I specifically note the comments made by the panel with regards to the application. Saffron Warden is clearly a proactive town council, which is the hub of the local community. The strong sense of community belonging is evident throughout the site and the documents with engaging and lively website, social media being used well and regularly. And he also noted the comments from the officers at the ELC, um, which again I endorse. This is a a fabulous council. They really deserve this award and they deserve all the uh, other awards that they've picked up this year. So it's been Saffron Warden's year this year. Amazing. I, I think there must be some sort of presentation. Arthur, uh, Arthur Coote is the Mayor of Saffron Warden and therefore Chairman of Council. Can we have the others? There's a space at the front of this table here where you could... other town councils in this in other sort of week and parish councils I'm sure we can step up yes Not being one to miss an opportunity to address councillors, um, my name's Lisa Courtney, I'm the town clerk for Saffron Warden Town Council, and I just really wanted to endorse to all town and parish councillors present the benefits of doing the foundation and the other awards. Um, governance sounds dull and boring, and in some respects it is, it's as dull as ditch water, as Boris Johnson would say, although he doesn't want to be uh, found in one. Um, but governance is key. It's the most one of the core principles to the management of your council. And with good governance comes good management, good leadership and good delivery of services. Now, this was only achievable by Saffron Warden Town Council because we have excellent leadership through our councillors. 
I don't say that to gain a pay rise, although that's not, uh, not, to, be, <laughs> not to be sniffed at. Um, but Saffron Warden Town Council benefits from excellent leadership through its councillors and jolly hard work and effort and determination from its staff and its vast array of volunteers. So um, I accept this on behalf of Saffron Warden Town Council, but actually on behalf of everybody associated with the Town Council and all of their hard work and efforts. Thank you. Well done. Uh, there we are. How do you follow that? Uh, I'll follow it with the Chair's announcements on item 5 of the agenda. Um, you will have received this in the pack, uh, the sort of things that I've been getting up to. There's two which I would bring to your particular attention. One was on the 23rd of uh, September. Uh, the Lord Lieutenant of Essex uh, invited uh, me to attend um, what was quite a small ceremony but it was Geoffrey Parker Games which is out in Wimbish and they were opening a workshop the particular feature about it was it had Princess Anne in attendance and so it was one of these things which um, you're not supposed to talk to anybody about until after the event and uh, whatever but it was very interesting and very engaging but the other thing was uh, a trip to uh, Copt Hall uh, which is just south of Epping and that was at the invitation of the chairman of Epping Forest Council, District Council, uh, which is very interesting for all sorts of reasons, uh, partly because of the uh, political makeup of that council, but also because of the way they handle their planning department. So that's, that's a separate issue. Uh, but Copt Hall, we've all seen it. Everybody in this room will have seen Copt Hall. Because if you drive along the M25 towards Heath Row, just as you come off the M11, on the M25, you see in the distance on the right, on rising downland, what looks like, uh, well, it is, a mansion. It's actually a Palladian mansion, one of these perfectly symmetrical things. Uh, and whenever I've seen it in the past, and you see it every time you drive in that direction, I always presumed it was a boys' public school or something of that sort. It looks sufficiently gaunt and surrounded by unblemished parkland, and that's got to be an expensive public school. In fact, it is uh, a stately home. Uh, it was, uh, has been there ever since the time of the monks of Waltham Abbey in the 12th century, not in its current form, uh, and then it managed to burn down spectacularly about 100 years ago, and that was that. Uh, but then, a while ago, a band of volunteers came together and started to restore it. They've been working on it for 20 years, I would say it's about one-third done so far, but they restored it with a great deal of attention and loving care, uh, and one part of it's restored to a perfect 1756 room. It gets a lot of work by film companies and television, because it's one of the few examples of a Palladian mansion that you can actually go into and use, uh, and sort of do film sets and things. They use it for weddings, um, you can use it for all sorts of other things. You can hire it. But interestingly, they've left the plaster off a lot of the work. It burned out completely, so a lot of the plaster was blown anyway. And so you can see the way it was built. You can see the brickwork. You can see the soldier arches. You can see all sorts of things that you can't see if you go around a National Trust sort of standard um, Palladian mansion. So I firmly recommend it. They open it one day a month. Uh, and it's got lovely gardens as well. Uh, and it really isn't the sort of thing you'd expect to see anywhere else. So Copt Hall wins my prize, certainly for the last month and maybe for the whole year. Thank you. 
moving on. Let's see. Yes, thank you. Uh, one thing which affects us all, uh, one of the few things that I have any influence over as chairman, of course the chairman actually has almost no influence over anything, but the one thing I do have influence over is this chamber. Of course it's where we meet. Uh, and it was very clear to me right at the beginning that the acoustics in here are fairly bad uh, and various other aspects could do with improvement. So I got together with Adrian Webb uh, and looked in detail. It was already a project that was underway, so I superseded it. It was something which was already being looked at. Um, but the point is, this chamber, although it's actually rather pretty, it's a cylinder with a cone on top, uh, and in acoustic terms, that's almost as bad as it gets. Um, a cylinder is wonderful if you're sitting in exactly the right spot, which is actually the geometric centre, and everywhere else you can look after yourselves. And a cone isn't much better either. So I, I suggested that we put in acoustic dampers. And it was pointed out to me we've got them already. This Wedgwood Blue uh, Circle band is actually an acoustic damper. It's a, a surface which absorbs sound and doesn't reflect it. And if you look carefully, the lining in the cone is an acoustic damper as well. And we've got the same next door in the committee room. So... Uh, a certain amount of work has been done already. That was done quite some while ago. Uh, but more work will be done, and it's been budgeted for. Uh, basically, better loudspeakers around the perimeter. The microphones are difficult, and we hope to improve them. But uh, somebody I know actually works on the microphones in the uh, House of Commons. And whenever you see anybody televised in the House of Commons... Uh, you have these, mic these cables coming down from the ceiling. They have lots and lots of microphones. And in fact, despite the fact they're permanent microphones and they're managed professionally, it's actually extremely hard to get a decent uh, voice recording from within that chamber. And this one's no different, actually. But works in hand. I read out what Adrian Webb said. We're currently working with a number of companies looking at ways to improve the quality of sound in the chamber and committee room. It's likely to include an upgrade of the speaker system and improvements in the hearing loop. In addition, we're looking, looking into new quieter projectors along with additional screens to make viewing easier. Subject to room availability, the plan is to undertake the work in the current financial year. And in practical terms, what that means is hopefully sometime over Christmas. The reason being you have to install cables and goodness knows what else. Uh, and basically you can't do it when you're attempting to use the room. So that's a work in progress. Uh, let's hope that it significantly improves the usefulness of this chamber. Thank you. Councillors, what I would like to do is to bring forward an item, uh, which is item 12 on our agenda, uh, which is, in fact, the Youth Council, the reason being that we have uh, representatives of that council here. Um, it's to welcome and accept them into our midst. Uh, and then if we, do, if we do this at the beginning, they can then uh, go about their, their business and uh, whatever, and we can get on with the, the rest of the agenda. So is it your wish that I do this? Councillor Coop. Seconder, Councillor Fairhurst, those in favour, please show. That looks almost unanimous, not quite, near enough. Thank you. So I'm going to bring item 12 forward, if I may. Uh, 
And let me see. Excuse me. Thank you. So it's the, it's the final item on your agenda. And I'd like to invite Councillor Fairhurst as a portfolio holder for youth services um, to present the report and recommendations on the Youth Council. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. This has been a long process, and it's a delight to be where we are today. Um, I'm very pleased, in fact, to present this item, and thank you for bringing it forward. It's got to go back a short while, not the three years that we started, but on the 30th of July this year, we agreed four items, as you can see on your document. One, the Youth Council has a permanent non-voting representative at full council meetings, that's here. That youth council members are supported by district council members at youth meetings, as we need to improve on. Three, that district council members are identified to support youth council members in their engagement with schools and that sufficient officer time is allocated to the youth council. We, of course, are recommended to note this, um, and as you've said, we have with us, I think, four members of that youth council. I'm expecting the desk to reset for them today. I've asked them to attend, and I'd like to ask the chairman and the deputy chairman of our youth council, that's councillors Walter and Birkbeck, to say a word or two, if they might. You have to switch on the microphones. You've probably worked that out already. Thank you. Please. For a long time, young people have felt very separate from the rest of the community and were often completely unaware of the processes of local politics determining their lives. Two years after the recognition of the Youth Council by the full council, we are proud to say that this is no longer the case. The Youth Council is a passionate body of young people of diverse views, but a common goal of increasing our representation in the issues of libraries, climate change, housing, public transport, and a host of other issues that affect us all. I am so proud of every single person in our Youth Council, and I know that they will rise to meet the challenges of the future. We look forward to working together with young people from across the district, the public and councillors, to build a district and a future that we all want to live in. Thank you. Thank you. Does your colleague wish to say a few words? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Very wise. Less is always more. Can somebody turn the microphone off, please? Thank you. Mr Thank Chairman. You. Sir. On the suspicious occasion, I'd like to invite Millie to come and take a seat here as the first time. Come and sit with us. Join us. And if you could all welcome her here um, as councillor. Uh, councillor Ferris, I don't know if we're actually prepared for this as yet, so we, we can do this. I, I don't have I a problem with it either way. Um, uh, a, a colleague will be unprepared for this meeting, but that's not a reason for not staying. As, as a member of the public, she could stay. I, I, I put it to council. What should we do? Absolutely. We'll ask you instead. You need to come forward and switch on the microphone, please. <laughs> And no, any, any of those microphones near to you. Uh, but before we do that, we need a proposer and a seconder for Councillor Fairhurst's motion. So, 
Can I have a proposer, please? I have uh, Councillor Lemon, if that's okay. I need a seconder, which can be uh, Councillor LeCount, please. Thank you. Yes, and those in favour, please show. Again, largely unanimous. Uh, those against? Abstentions? I see one abstention. Okay, thank you. Good. So, are you willing to are you are you willing to stay with us for this evening, or would you rather come back at the next meeting that we have, which will be in December, I believe? So, Joyce, switch on your microphone, please. I'm happy to stay. Thank you. You're going to you're going to stay. Excellent. In that case, fine. Yeah. Okay. These, these, these meetings there are riveting. They're, they're, you know, people insist on having as many. You need to actually stay near a microphone. So grab one of those seats where there's a microphone. Um, the rest of your colleagues are welcome to stay or leave. It's up to them. We won't be upset if you decide that you want to leave. You are extremely welcome if you feel that you want to stay. Or if you stay for a while and then decide that it's be better someplace else. Boring. That's the word I was looking for. You find it's boring. Uh, again, we won't hold it against you. Your choice entirely. Thank you. Uh, Chair, I wonder if I may ask a question to Councillor. Of course. So uh, it's absolutely wonderful that we've got uh, youth council representation here. So well done and congratulations to you and look forward to your uh, debate here and your challenge as well. Um, I think it's going to be really useful. Um, I just wanted to ask um, uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Um, sorry, I'm told I meant to stand up. Sorry, I have to follow protocol, so don't follow my bad habits. Um, uh, Councillor Fairhurst, when we last spoke about this wonderful initiative, um, I was very clear, and I think the council agreed with me, that we must have an inclusive voice. So I note in terms of your recruitment, uh, you've mentioned schools, one sixth form centre. I'm not sure if there's a sixth form college, but there is no voice of FE. And if we are to truly engage with young people rather than be tokenistic, um, I think we need to be clear about the voice of FE, further education. We have Harlow College on our patch. We have travel to study patterns where there are 2,500 young people in Uttlesford that travel to study outside of this particular uh, area. So I just wanted to know what you are doing about that to really get true engagement uh, for the Youth Council so that they can be support and challenge to Uttlesford. Mr Chairman, yes, you're absolutely right, and that's exactly what our intention was from the very beginning. This is a start. We do have representatives from schools and, in fact, from members who, in fact, go to school elsewhere but live in the county. But we've got to continue increasing our inclusivity to include not just EFI but many other areas as well. So, yes, you're absolutely right, but it's, a, it's an ongoing process, um, and we're getting better every year. I think Councillor Sell would like to speak first, please. Thank you. Councillor Sell. Chairman, uh, I agree with my colleague, Councillor Carnage. I'm very pleased to see the initiative and members of the Youth Council here. But as, as I think I've said before, and Councillor Carnage has just said, I also believe that it's important to get diversity. Uh, as someone who worked in FE for much of my career, um, we have got Harlow College. We ha and I see on a regular basis, the number of young people going to Cambridge Regional College 
from Stanston, I'm sure elsewhere in the district. We also got Stanston Airport College. I, I'm a governor of Forest Hall, so I know that they don't do A-levels at uh, Forest Hall. They stop there at 16. But what I'd like to see is a youth council which has a diversity of young people in there, not all studying A-levels. By all means, it's good at some people studying A-levels, but young people are doing different things. They may be an apprentice or whatever, and we need to reflect that diversity because then one can better able to speak on behalf of young people in the district. Thank you. Councillor Coote. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, so please, yeah, please go ahead. Very good, thank you. So, in that case, I'm going to move on if I... Uh, Councillor Lemon, Lemon, please. Thank you, Chair. Yes, um, there are... I was parties to setting up the Youth Council, and the idea is to involve all sorts of young people, from cadet corps to scouts to... But it takes time but they will all be asked or notified as time goes on. There's there's a huge spread that we can um, talk to and get young people interested in in the council. Um, I know they are working very hard to do this all the time, and it's it's an ongoing thing, and I appreciate your remarks, but uh, I could go on with all the organisations that I know that we haven't yet got round to speaking to, but I know it will be done. Thank you. Thank you. I plan to move on now to the next item, if that's okay, members. Uh, So item six, which are reports from the leader and members of the executive. So, Councillor Lodge, if you're willing, as leader of the council, to bring to our notice anything which is not on the agenda. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I was, I was musing in your uh, talks how much more exciting your life is than mine, so uh, well done on that. Um, also, I'd like to, like to welcome the, uh, the Youth Council here. I was going to say you are, of course, now very welcome to participate in the debates, but you've already joined in, so thank you very much for that. And also, just to uh, add my congratulations to Saffron Walden Town Council. I see we've still got one, uh, one, of, one of the officers there, so very, very well done on that. Uh, don't want to keep you too long. I just want to talk about democracy. You remember that this was one of, one, one of the new administration's main issues as we came along. We want to improve the democratic process. You remember that we... Um, enlarge the cabinet to bring more people into that process. We set up topic leads to, uh, to the same ends. And um, from what I've seen is that uh, there's been a great deal of enthusiasm already that people are out there trying to make things happen, uh, particularly work to, to new briefs. So I'm, I'm encouraged on, on that front. Um, I think, though, then, that 
over and above what we've already done, one of the most uh, far-reaching things was to look at the overall model of governance here and that it may well be in the near future that we look to replacing the cabinet system with an alternate system, maybe committee system, but we're not prejudging that because we have now Councillor Coote who has already set up uh, this, this working group uh, and they're uh, hard at work on the task already. But um, Rome wasn't built in a day and I think we're all aware that we can't implement that until at the very earliest the start of the next council year. But uh, that is a large piece of work and it will involve a lot of Dawn's officers as well getting involved. So, so there's a tremendous amount of work to be done and it involves a, a wide range of people. Um, on top of that, people will remember that we, 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 we had an agenda to improve the planning system as much as we can. We have set up a working group there. Some recommendations have already been put forward and there, there, there is a change in the operation of the planning committee already whereby we, we, uh, we allow uh, more public speaking, we allow representatives from parish and town councils to join in. So we, we are there trying to improve the democratic process. Um, members will remember from uh, the last few years that we embarked upon an investment program as a necessary move to supplement the income of this council with the, with the diminution of central grants. Uh, and so we made one major investment. One thing we wanted to do, because there, there was a lot of concern with the early investment, that um, we wanted to approach it with a systematic and take a real strategic view of the proper investment process we should be carrying out. So I'm pleased to say that we have now established uh, an investment board. We've had a, an early preparatory meeting, but the first full meeting of that board will take place on the, uh, I think it's the 23rd of October, late, later this month. So that, that is underway with cross-party uh, participation. You'll see some of the work a little bit later in the agenda. People will also remember the declaration of the climate change emergency. That, uh, that's been mentioned already. So we've, uh, we've got down to work on that already. So we've set up... Um, uh, a board which is, going to, which is going to look at that under, under Councillor Pepper, um, a, a, a full green committee, so we're very pleased that that is moving ahead. And then just finally from me, and this is one of, one of the biggest issues, looking at the implementation of the plan, though it has to be saying it's a district plan which is not yet approved, we're still waiting for response from the inspector. I think many people will be aware that's coming along later this month. It may be only a week or two ahead of, uh, ahead of uh, tonight that we get that. However, we didn't want to stop the process and so we have already set up what we're terming development boards for each of the proposed new communities should the inspector confirm that approach. So they have been appointed and we'll be meeting shortly as well as the relevant community forums so we make sure that we're getting input from the community as to what those new communities and what the future plan should look like. Uh, Mr Chairman, thank you. I'll let you go on to other members of the Executive. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there are other members of the Executive, I believe, who want to speak. Councillor Lee? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish my own name.
Sorry to disturb you. That's a, no, 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 I thought you said Councillor Lee, sorry. Uh, no, as you're aware, some members of the executive are speaking, so I just thought I'd tell the Council how we're doing with uh, refugees. It's something that we don't talk about very often. So since October 2017, we've, we've housed five refugees' family within Council stock in Ottersford as part of the Essex Resettlement Programme, Utterford provides accommodation, and then Essex integrate, integration get the property carpeted and furnished it ready for the family's arrival. They then provide support to the families for the first year for them being here. To date, we've housed three families in Stansted and two linked families in Hatfield Heath. These have all been put into three-bedroom flats. Um, we're really lucky that we've had quite a few three-bedroom flats in our stock recently, and they're not very popular with people on the housing waiting list. It's not something that comes up that people want, so they've, they've been housed in there. So, what really, so just to let you know, we've housed five families. We've also committed to the programme that we would take some more if the government asks us. I think... I think, Dawn, if you could just... Is it 50 families the government have asked Essex to take? Was it 50 families or 50 people? Uh, 50 families. 50 families. So um, that's really one family per council in Essex, if we can do that. We, would, we will probably take more if we can, because not all councils are quite pro-taking in refugees. But we have a programme in place. We have five families. And just to let you know, that was an update. Thank you, Councillor Lees. Uh, Councillor Lemon. For that, I, I'm not sure whether I should be speaking on this or not. But yes, we Excuse have me, I'm, I'm informed that it's not question time. Well, yet. it is a question, really. It's not really a question. <laughs> Go on. It's be just fine. explaining that we have, as you said, two families in, in Hatfield Heath. Um, and I've, I've been involved since day one. And um, they came, couldn't speak English. Um, mm hadn't got the children in schools and a seven-year-old was going to be schooled outside Hatfield Heath but we've sorted ev everything out. The council here have been helpful as well. Um, yeah, they have fell in with the community and the community in Hatfield Heath have been brilliant. Yeah. Only today somebody came to me with toys and pencils. You know, do they need them? There's a seven-year-old, an 11-year-old and a 16-year-old. And then, uh, then mother and father and grandparents, and they are. It is working, and it's a it's a it's a super thing to do. Um, you know, when you look at the, the pictures on television of these children in in, in Syria, it, you know, it, I almost cry when I see how happy they are for the small things that we're doing for them. They're so happy. Um, to start off with, I used a, a phone that translated English into their language. Um, mum and dad have gone to English classes um, they've applied for driving licences they want to do vo any, any voluntary jobs they've offered to do in our village and they have settled in well and it's a great success so thank you for doing that Thank you very much, thank you uh, Councillor Light, I think you wish to make uh, uh, some comments or put some, stand up please Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, I'd just like to bring you up to speed with what I've been doing over the last uh, few months. So, Chair and Council, I'm very pleased to have this opportunity. I've been travelling across the district and have met many interesting and dedicated people and enjoyed working in collaboration with the community, as well as with councillors and the Youth Council. Uh, 
Uh, I am, of course, delighted to welcome you here. And um, I have sort of known of the, and worked with the Youth Council for the past few years and helped to get it set up. Um, so I'm really pleased now that you can sit here and we'll be able to hear your voices directly. So a big welcome to you. So on my portfolio, firstly, education. I've been working with Councillor Stuart Luck on ways of encouraging more children to take up studying STEM subjects, the science, technology, engineering and maths subjects, particularly given the multiple science career opportunities presented by our proximity to the world-class University of Cambridge and to the aviation engineering industry. To kickstart the process, we held a successful event at UDC a couple of weeks ago with the support of the STEM Ambassador Program, of which Councillor Luck is a member. And this was called Business Meets Education, where teachers and businesses came together to give presentations and to speed date, which I thought was actually a very amusing but very successful. Um, another event is uh, focused on the south of the district uh, to enable teachers to actually get there in time for the afternoon uh, event will be held in November. I intend setting up a hands-on science centre in the district and adult learning courses because I, I feel there are insufficient here, uh, certainly not in this area, there are none. And that would include retraining opportunities. Uh, Councillor Luck and I will be meeting shortly with the Essex County Councillor Ray Gooding to find solutions for the issues of school places and transport, which I know across the district is, uh, can be a very thorny and difficult issue for families. The second part of my portfolio on libraries, um, as we know, we've been sort of working on libraries for quite a while now, but I've set up a library forum with councillors, experts and youth council members to create a model of the 21st century library. We've developed an outline framework which we will flesh out and circulate shortly for wider comments and feedback. And we look forward to holding fruitful conversations on the way forward with the Essex County Councillor responsible for libraries, who is Councillor Susan Barker. The third part is culture. I've discussed the future of culture in Uttlesford with quite a few residents who are involved with the wonderful cultural organisations, groups and activities that play such an important role in enhancing our quality of life. Together, we are formulating an inclusive and vibrant Uttlesford arts strategy, making this district the place for local residents and for people to come from far and wide to participate in and enjoy culture. As a first practical step, I've set up a steering group formed of councillors and local arts experts to organise an arts festival to be held in September next year. I would have held it almost immediately, but I've been advised that was far too soon. So September it'll be. Not only will this festival celebrate the arts and the talented and creative people who are so much part of our cultural life, but it will also democratise the arts, giving everyone the opportunity to experience at first hand art and culture. Our first meeting is this week, on Thursday afternoon. Additionally, I have initiated talks on creating a joint community centre to include exhibition, workshop, activity and other uh, functions. And last, but certainly not least, heritage. I continue to work closely with Saffron Walden Museum with its rich treasures from our shared heritage and beyond and aim to find ways of extending the heritage displays to other parts of the district. I've also held several meetings with the tourist office in Saffron Walden, how to work collaboratively across Uttlesford to enhance our many heritage assets and to encourage a wider spread of tourism with an interactive map and dedicated and interesting tourist trails. The Saffron Walden Castle Works should finally be complete next year 
and I plan a fantastic concert to mark its opening that will raise its turf roof. I'm always happy to welcome people who want to collaborate in shaping and developing all of these topics, so please just come and talk to me. Thank you, Council. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, thank you, Councillor Light. I, I look forward to the first performance of Macbeth in the castle when it's uh, finally completed. It's a wonderful drop backdrop for it. Uh, I believe Councillor Eek, you wanted to speak. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, my portfolio is transport infrastructure and Stansted Airport, so it's quite a big one and wide-ranging. Um, and to try and get a grip on the topic area has proved quite uh, challenging and created quite a few meetings to, to get the background and to understand how it all works. And one of the first meetings that uh, I decided to call was with Essex County Council because clearly Essex County Council will have a huge impact or a huge uh, input to, to infrastructure and, and transport across uh, our district and I've met with uh, Councillor Bentley um, and with Councillor Mitchell and had very good meetings with them to explore how we might uh, get some synergy across Essex and through Uttlesford to join up the transport uh, offer, particularly in Uttlesford, with a view to trying to tailor it to the rural needs of this district and they were very supportive of that approach clearly there are issues around uh, joining up the new uh, uh, residential areas under the local plans that that will be coming forward and also linking in with the various uh, interchanges Stansted is a key one not only because of the airport interchange there and the uh, rail connections through to London but also the bus hub that already exists in Stansted. It gives access to National Express, which more or less is a, is a national bus service and you can go wherever you like from there. Um, and a very good service it is too. So we've been talking quite, uh, quite a lot about those sorts of uh, issues. Um, we clearly have the rail uh, tracks through, through our district and I've met with Abelia, or Abellio, whichever way you want to, uh, uh, to pronounce it, to talk to them about how they are going to cope with the increased traffic, not only from the local plan uh, developments, but also from the, the uh, airport. Um, and the progress in terms of delivering their new 10-car and 12-car trains on the track seems to be taking uh, a pace, and I'm told that the airport 12-car train is likely to be trialled later this year. It won't be in service, but it will be trialled and used for training. And the new 10-car trains are in development and being tested uh, up in Derby and will be introduced uh, next year. The other interesting thing that he came up with is they're looking to introduce a half-hourly service through to Cambridge. And... Again, that needs careful integration with bus services locally so that we can ensure that uh, our, our uh, constituents can get to, to Cambridge in a, uh, and to the, air, uh, to the uh, train stations um, in, a, in an easy manner. So, um, infrastructure, 
Well, again, clearly we've got two major bits of infrastructure um, in Uttlesford. The M11 passes through, and as does the, the train. Um, in terms of infrastructure, I've had discussions with uh, Network Rail. Now, they are next year going to be doing a demand forecast survey on the, on the line to try and uh, develop a budget so that they can improve the throughput of the line. Now, the big sticking point with Liverpool Street through to Cambridge and beyond is the fact that it's only two lines. So it has limited capacity in terms of improving uh, the throughput unless they can get to four lines. The trigger to go to four lines seems to be Crossrail 2. And judging from the uh, state of Crossrail 1, we don't really know where Crossrail 2 is going to come into fruition, but he, uh, well, the person I spoke to is a fairly senior person within Network Rail. Any support that we can give to Crossrail 2 would be much appreciated. I've already had discussions with um, uh, Sir Alan, uh, Lord Hazelhurst and the task force that he runs and looked at the uh, greater main line, eastern main line and the work that they've been doing, which is very encouraging, um, and Lord Hazelhurst is, is working very hard to try and uh, leverage that sort of improvement on our line too. In terms of the M11, uh, I've spoken to them about the appalling accident rate on the M11, um, which again was an interesting conversation. They are looking to increase their budget or to grab some budget from the next round of discussions at DFT to roll out improvements on the M11. That's not to say that they'll be looking anytime soon at upgrading the two lanes to anything bigger going from our junction uh, going up towards Cambridge. Um, they are uh, hopeful of getting the budget uh, in terms of improving uh, signage, improving uh, the, the carriageways and so on. They're also looking, they've already started on Junction 7A uh, in terms of enabling works and soil surveys and they will be looking to start work proper next year and I'm told by Councillor Bentley that's likely to be completed by 2024. Now if that's the case it will have an impact on Junction 8. It's likely to give us a little bit of relief but the jury's out on that one. Um, the other major infrastructure issue, of course, are the roads, not just throughout Uttlesford, but pretty much nationally in terms of these state of the potholes and, and so on. Uh, had quite a, a, a robust discussion again with Councillor Bentley about uh, the speed with which potholes are um, <laughs> not reviewed, but you know the, 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 the upgrade and the, the uh, remedial works to potholes are, are carried out. In particular, it appears that if a, a bad pothole is uh, reported in a particular street and there are other potholes in the same street, they'll come and do the bad one but leave the others, which just is not uh, an efficient use of resource um, and, and, and the... the, 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 the the money being spent. So he has promised to look into that. Um, 
the last thing on infrastructure I wanted to talk about was cycle paths, uh, which again, um, we have an Uttlesford cycling strategy. We have a strategy for Uttlesford. It was produced in 2014, but has not moved at all forward since that time. There are also a lot of Section 106 monies that have been set aside for things like cycle strategies, cycle reviews, cycle paths, which have not been spent. I have asked for meetings with uh, Essex to review all these 106s, not just um, locally in Saffron Warden, but across Uttlesford, to see how we can move some of these cycle paths forward. The big sticking point appears to be a rather arbitrary specification for the width of cycle paths. There is no national specification, but uh, Essex Highways apparently insist on it being three metres, which has some safety uh, logic to it in terms of being footpath and cycle path for two-way traffic. But it's not um, commensurate with a rural application. It's not commensurate with uh, medieval town applications for both Saffron Warden and uh, Dunmo. We have to apply common sense to the specification for that sort of thing and make cycling safer and more uh, accessible to people in our district. So uh, that is a very high priori priority issue. Um, and Again, he was, he was supportive of, of, of that approach and promised to talk with Essex Highways about that seemingly arbitrary specification. So watch this space. Last thing is Stanston Airport. Um, had meetings with them, particularly around the Stansted Area Transport Forum. They, Stansted, apply a levy to the, the, the uh, parking at Stansted, creates monies that are uh, controlled by the Stansted Area uh, Transport Forum and can be spent uh, within the district. It also apparently is spent uh, on bus services which go a bit further afield because it's related to their staff offer and to bring their staff into the airport convenient to them. I want, I've been speaking to them about widening that and ensuring that we can um, invest in local transport services which will benefit the, the district and not just Stansted Airport uh, employees. Um, Councillor Leek, I'd like to move on fairly soon, please. Yes, certainly. Um, I, didn't, I didn't say it was going to be easy. Uh, again, under the Stansted Area Transport Forum. There it wasn't is so much an item of negotiation, it was a, a fairly firm hint. <laughs> Will you stop interrupting and I'll finish very quickly. <laughs> um, under the Transport Area Forum, there is a working group which deals with uh, fly parking and it has a budget. I have, with my and a, a, a North Essex Parking Partnership hat, hat on. I've asked North Essex Parking Partnership to talk with Stansted and to go along to that working group meeting to discuss ways in which 
they may use their resources, that's MAG, to enforce some of the parking problems that we're experiencing throughout uh, um, Uttlesford in terms of fly parking. They're more than happy to do that and NEP are going to look into it. So... I think that's everything. I, I think that's... Um, Mr. Shall, we, shall we say thorough? Thank you, yes. Very good. All right, good. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on uh, to item seven, uh, which is uh, questions to the leader. I, I know that Councillor Lodge has actually prepared or written a report. Councillor Lodge, do you want to speak to that at this moment? Briefly, if possible. Yeah, I'll kick off with that one and I will be, I will be very brief in fact the, uh, 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 Chair Councillor Barthes isn't here to uh, receive this, it was very much her initiative she was concerned about uh, the appeal process, the number of appeals and possibly then the cost of those appeals. You would have seen in the report that in fact it's um, uh, a very short one and uh, because obviously this council has only been operating for about four months, there have been very few situations where decisions have been made, where appeals have been lodged, and in fact no situations where they have been resolved. So um, the, the report gives the, um, uh, the, the progress to date. I will, with the Chairman's indulgence though, answer what maybe is the, is the real question behind, count, uh, behind Councillor Barker's question, um, and that is the the, the, the planning process itself and what, what we're trying to do is to make it more cooperative we, 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 we would love to get to the situation where we have fewer appeals so we're try, trying to work and I mentioned some of these uh, changes early, we, we want officers and members to be singing from the same hymn sheet when it comes to planning applications, it shouldn't be an adversarial system and I think though that when we get to council I think we're finding uh, more now, the cross-party, the um, um, committee is working uh, together rather better, and I hope that that is a, a, a mutual feeling. And just to look at some of the appeals which are hangovers from the last administration, um, the committee appears to have been well justified in, 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 a, in a few recent appeals in Newport, in Camfield, and more recently in Felstead, where the, um, the appeals were turned down and hence the decision of the committee uh, was uh, upheld. And we hope that what we, we will be able to do if we improve this process is send a message to the developers who rather peremptorily go to appeal or try to uh, fundamentally go for unsustainable and, and unapprovable uh, application. So the, uh, the real answer to Councillor Barker is we're going to improve the process and hopefully make it better. So um, there's nothing to be, you don't need to approve that report, that is just a, a report. Thank you. Yes, thank you uh, Leader. Uh, okay, so the bit which I know many of you have been waiting for. Um, members, uh, questions from the members to the Leader. Uh, I've got several standing in an orderly queue and some more from the left by the looks. Put your hand up. Councillor Crisioni, did you make a gesture of some sort? No? Okay. Councillor Lemon's making a gesture. Uh, you wish to speak? I'm not inviting you to speak right just now. There's going to be others. You have to do this in rotational order. I'll start with Councillor Khan, if I may. 
Okay, uh, I'll stand up now, so just judge my behaviour. Um, uh, question to the leader, if I may. Um, uh, can you just confirm that you are in receipt of minutes of meeting uh, from the council's investment arm, Aspire? So does the cabinet and yourself as leader receive minutes from the Aspire board meetings? Leader? Uh, no, no, we don't. Uh, if I may, Chair. Um, okay. Um, I had a conversation with Adrian Webb, and it's all part of governance. Uh, and I understand that the previous administration failed to uh, ask for minutes or receive minutes. So uh, in terms of our public investment and commercial strategy, I think we're going to discuss later on. Um, I think it's probably wise for us as a council to have sight of the board minutes of Aspire so that we can at least understand what's happening in a governance perspective on our investment arm. Would the Chief Executive care to comment on that? No, I think not, apparently. <laughs> Anybody else? No, no, I will, I, will, I will comment on that. I think it actually, you actually make a very good point, and I'll certainly have a look at that. I think uh, from a government's perspective, you're probably right, yes. There's a bit of potluck involved in this. Um, uh, Mr. Councillor Caton, please. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, my question is most probably not answerable at the moment, um, but I noticed that uh, Councillor Bentley sent out a, uh, an update of the uh, local government association's Brexit kind of preparedness statement to all members this week. And I was wondering whether the district council couldn't do a similar because I'm a district councillor, I've got no idea what we are doing to prepare for Brexit, uh, and particularly I'm concerned about the residents of the E27 countries who have got to apply for settled state, state, uh, status. I was at a meeting where the chief executive of the CAB said that they've had to buy Android phones uh, to assist people to get through the process. And I was just wondering whether we'd given the CAB additional funding to cover that kind of cost. I'm told that the Chief, Chief Executive informs me that she can respond to this and then leave if you wish to do so. Yes, yeah, so members, uh, you will recall hopefully that there have been two members' bulletins outlining what the Council's preparedness is on EU exit. Uh, so I'm happy to resend that so members uh, can refresh their memories as we approach the 31st of October and whatever that might bring. Uh, the council is well prepared. Uh, obviously, its main uh, areas of focus have been matters at the airport, uh, our employment uh, issues with our own staff in terms of the settled status scheme. We've made information available uh, also to the wider community about settled status and uh, at supporting our businesses and their preparedness. So they've been the main focuses of our attention, but of course we've been watching all aspects and we've undertaken a threat assessment in accordance with what members, all members will now know as Operation uh, Yellowhammer, which was released to the press some weeks ago. So I'm happy to resend with an update tomorrow. 
regarding the council's preparedness, if that would be of assistance. I'm unaware whether we've uh, offered the CAB any specific grant to assist them to support uh, EU citizens, Councillor Caton. Uh, we do obviously grant fund the CAB. I'm sure if we had been asked for any assistance, we, do, we have been provided with money by the government for various elements of preparedness, and we would certainly consider that seriously if that was required. Can I just come back there and, and ask whether uh, the Chief Executive can give us uh, some figures in any email that she sends out about how much money we've been granted and what we've spent it on? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Leader, do you wish to add to that at all? Just to say that I do review this with the Chief Executive from time to time, and I'm, I'm enormously conscious, as probably members are not, of the, the amount of work that's going on. This is a tremendous amount of work for officers, as we are a very major port in, in the country, and you'll appreciate the likely implications, and particularly as that there may well be a diversion from, uh, from channel ports to uh, air freight coming into Stansen. That will be a tremendous amount of extra work. And also, re related to that, should also be aware of the amount of work that officers likely have coming up with a possible general election in, in the next few months. And so it's a good point to just put in that we need to, uh, we need to understand the, the, this massive amount of, of extra work that's being put on members of the council at this time. And I hope that people will forbear if some other things uh, do, do, do go slightly by the wayside. Not that um, I've spotted any of that, but just for, for members to be aware. Yes, um, Councillor Dean, I understand that you have a, 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 a substantial number of questions to ask. Can I uh, ask you to go for the most pressing of yours at the moment? And, uh, no, I'm no, sure no, I think, you'll be, I think you'll be misinformed, Chairman. My group had a number of questions, and, and some have already been asked. So my, my own question relates to coming back to the um, minute that I referred to at the July meeting where we had a, um, a correction. I'd asked a question about when is the new corporate plan going to emerge? And the, on that occasion, the, at the end of July, the leader said, in quarter three or before. Well, clearly we're already into quarter four, and I, although I wasn't there recently at the Cabinet meeting, I understand that the Cabinet was still reviewing the previous Conservative administration's corporate plan. So my question is, and particularly having heard about lots of activity from Cabinet members over the last 30 minutes as it happened to be um, therefore there's a lot going on are those priorities that fit into a program or is this kind of a free running uh, system that we have at the moment waiting on priorities in the new corporate plan that we're still working to and when will it appear please thank you leader can you respond to that um, I will I, I'll ask uh, Councillor Fairhurst is his portfolio to come back on that. I'll just give a little, little preface to this. Um, maybe, I, maybe I was a little bit ambitious, but I should say that um, I actually worked in corporate planning as my full-time career for, uh, for, for a certain time of that career. And uh, to, to, to expect a, a, a cogent, complete revamp of, of the plan in this time is, uh, is actually pretty, pretty demanding. And so that uh, what we aim to do is a proper job and not um, a rush job so that you will see it come. But when it comes, you will be impressed. But I will hand over to Councillor Fair. You might be impressed. Um, 
I think the answer is actually a little simpler than that. The normal run of democracy is that you get a vote and then you, you live with the plans of the previous regime until you have a year of new budgets and new plans. And that gives us a bit of a window, um, honeymoon if you like. But I think the most important consideration of any plan is that it's informed by a strategy. If you don't know where you want to go, any road will get you there. And we don't have a strategy. We have a vision and then an absence and then corporate plan. So what we're busy doing right now is putting together a corporate um, a strategy team, which will involve a lot of members of this council, who will discuss what it is we want to achieve strategically. We've already established that. We've got idea bullet points and priorities already, and that will then inform the corporate plan that evolves out of that. I don't expect it will change dramatically from what we've done before, because there are things that councils do. But hopefully it will have some more direction, and it will be informed by strategy. And I do believe that it is not that far away from completion. It will certainly be ready by the time we have to produce something for next year. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just, about, just to say that I would have thought that it would be populated with many of the commitments in the Residence for Uttlesford Manifesto at the May elections, and therefore there is already a blueprint. Well, I've got a copy of a blueprint, so I can give it back to you if you like. <laughs> I, I right. keep a copy of that on the desktop of my computer. I look at it every morning when I wake up. Um, Councillor Lemon, can you impress us, please? Um, I, yeah, a question for Councillor Eek. Um, it's really to do with the Atlaser Transport Forum, which is an, it's been an important body in this council as it brings together the, the bus, the taxi, the trains, cyclists, other corporate bodies. And over the, over the years, uh, I have sat on that committee, on that forum, and we've discussed, interestingly, amongst other things, electric charges in our car parks which we were told were on the agenda. But um, can you tell me, I don't think it's met this year. I mean, it usually meets four or five times a year. Sadly, Stansted Airport have never been represented, although they have been asked. Um, I spoke to their CEO some time ago at, um, at their AGM of their transport forum, and he did assure me that they would participate in the Atlaster Transport Forum. So I think it's very important that it meets as soon as possible. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, Councillor Sal, your, your question may have been responded. Councillor, do you wish to make a response? Yes, please. Oh, excellent. If I may, thank you. Um, thank you, Councillor Lemon, for that. Yes, the Uttlesford Transport Forum is going to be reconvened on the 24th of this month. I believe a, an invite has gone out to uh, various previous members. Um, and yes... Uh, Stansted will be included on the invitee list. And the very patient Councillor Sell, please. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, 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 I'm sure you realise that one of my objectives tonight was to help to make your life a bit easier, and that of the members as well. And it's great in relation to item six, uh, the reports from the executive, I believe that we can and should be doing better on this item. And I'm quite happy to send to Councillor Lodge what Lib Dem North Norfolk District Council do. And each cabinet member at full council presents a written report in advance of the meeting, two pages and this cabinet member, where three items on the, on the report, progress and portfolio matters, forthcoming activities and developments, and meetings attended. And as we had in the previous administration when cabinet members 
did present reports. We had the opportunity of reading them in advance. And I suggest that what we had tonight was only a minority of the Cabinet members presented a report. I have a little bit of idea what some Cabinet members may be doing. For some, I've got no idea what they may be doing. I'm sure they're working hard, but I don't know what they're doing. Um, and it gives an opportunity, particularly if we've got such a large Cabinet, 10, for some coordination. And I'd like to suggest sort of the better running of this Council meetings, and a, a little bit of respect for Council, that we get rid of this ad hocracy and actually revert to what we did before and get a request. If members, current members have got nothing to report, then that's what they put down. They've got nothing to report, and we make, take that into account. And just the last point, uh, Mr Chairman. Epson, you, the leader will know, and some colleagues may know, it's one of the few councils in the country, apart from Uddersford, that is residence-controlled and has been for many years. I looked at their full council agenda. What do I find there? Reports from the chairs of all the committees. They run a committee system. Every chair of that committee has got a written report as part of the agenda. I think for good governance, transparency, we should be doing the same. And it's not a lot to ask. We don't have that many meetings at the full council. They are timetable. They are scheduled. And it's not just for us here, it's for the people outside who go onto our website. And I always thought for the administration, it would be a plus as well, because they can see what members are doing or not doing, and they can be held accountable for that. Because my worry is that a lot of things being mentioned tonight in those people who did report, uh, I suspect a lot of it was over people's heads, what they can remember. And there are some important things that will be mentioned, which I certainly would like to follow up. Anyway, I'll stop there, Jim. Yeah, um, from the chair, I would say it sounds like an excellent idea. And looking around the room, I see quite a few people possibly agree with me. But uh, Leader, do you wish to add to that or uh, shall we move on? I think we should move on. We'll move on. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, colleagues. Uh, I can now move on to the next item, I think. So we're moving into uh, item 8, which is matters referred to the executive and the council's committees, and I believe we have no matters. Item 9, matters received about joint arrangements and external organisations. We don't have any of them either, as far as I'm aware. So we now move on to item 10, which is commercial strategy. Now, the portfolio holder is Councillor Fairhurst, uh, and it's to uh, discuss or debate, whatever, um, the uh, report on the proposed commercial strategy, which we all have before us. Councillor Fairhurst, do you want to take us through that, please? Thank you, Mr Chairman. Yes, I do. Um, uh, members who know me know that I've been an ardent um, aggressor or infamous against the idea of investment um, in this council and have talked against it for the last three years. Once again, tonight becomes a, a, a sort of a threshold day because things are changing, and I believe changing for the right reasons. Um, we are going to be asked, <coughs> when I finish talking and choking and croaking, the, um, to approve a commercial strategy. I think it's very important that we understand the issues at stake. The first is, and when we, when we were presented with the, present, the, the investment of £50 million over 50 years, 
We were all aghast at the scale and, of course, the asset. But it's not really about the asset I have much concern. It is important that the asset is a quality asset, no doubt. Secondly, it's not really about the, with the question of whether we should or shouldn't invest. And I stress, we're not an investor. We're not a bank. We're a social, social service provider. But the concept of investment has been forced upon us by reduction of government funding. That's a fact. And so we need to make prudent effort to accommodate that rather than cut our services, which we weren't going to do. So I don't believe it's the wrong thing to do to look at investment, provided it's prudent, provided it's done in governance. And so it comes down to that. It's about the process and about the word we've been using tonight three or four times. It's about governance. It's how it's done. That, that, that goes down to a number of things. Governance is about the concentration of power, who makes the decision, how many of us are involved in that, and about the transparency of that process. So what we've tried to do here is create a governance structure that will allow us in the future to invest without a lack of governance, without that exposure to risk that everyone can see and participate in. So the first thing we're going to ask you to do is look at the commercial strategy, which was initially called an investment strategy. And the commercial strategy is something we approve, something we own. We effectively draw up a strategy and we say, this empowers a group of people, which we're going to call the investment board from tonight, and this group of people is going to take it on themselves to consider each and every asset, consider whether they are quality assets, and secondly, even if they are quality, do they fall within our portfolio in terms of our risks? That's their job. So the first thing we'll do is look at the commercial strategy, and there's a rather nice picture on your files, and I always like it. pictures are a good thing. Um, it's, uh, it's on page 26, I think, I don't know if it's on, online. And the most important part is the little blue circle in the middle, which is democracy. It's that this investment board talks to, count, to cabinet who talks to council. The investment board looks at things, hopefully prudently and in time, and considers whether these assets are sufficient or not, and how do they do that. Well, in fact, this investment board, which will be comprised of a number of councillors, we've said, comprised of two external um, um, investment board members, and we've actually specifically said, with regard to particular companies, as was suggested very helpfully by, by Councillor Khan, that we should also consider councillors sitting on these investment companies, that we can scrutinise each and every asset from time to time and question whether they are appropriate. So that's what we report to here. We'll know what's going on. We've got, to, we've got to be lean and mean because sometimes investment opportunities move very quickly, but hopefully we'll get better and better as we go along. Once we've got that strategy in place, the investment board sits down. Their first job, I task in the beginning, is to set up what they call an investment protocol. Those are the rules of the game. They will set their own rules and say, this is the protocol. That means what kind of assets will we invest in, what kind of risk, we've got risk tolerance, how much risk can we take, what are our time horizons and so on, and those become the rules of game. They can't go outside those rules. So some people might argue that we should invest only within um, um, the region, the district. I would vehemently say, no, it should be outside the region because we're really exposed to risk in the region, and so on. And those discussions will be had by the investment board and arrive at a protocol which will be then approved by Cabinet, and now we have a governance structure. Please understand, like all strategies, it's a moving target. It's always going to change with the times. Today, we need a certain amount of money by a certain date. That's our target. That's our objective. If we can achieve it with the amount of risk we're prepared to take, success. If we can't, so be it. So the first thing I'm asking you to do is look at the commercial strategy and hopefully approve it. And secondly, understand the investment board, which will sit, as our leader said, on the 23rd for the first time, and will include a handful of people who will then recruit two external members to join it to give us an external person's view of the process. Can I ask for any questions, Mr. Chairman? Thank you. Uh, yes, probably quite a few. Councillor Coote and then Councillor Caton. 
Yes, I'd ask the uh, portfolio. Can office. you stand up, Councillor Kutitz? I don't know, if I do, you'll have to look up at me. <laughs> I'm informed. I'm, I'm inf I am informed you should. I would ask, <laughs> I would ask Councillor Fairhurst to just explain to me the two uh, additional independent members. How, who, why, how do they fit in? We are talking about the external non-councillor members. Yep. The idea is councillors live with the problem. They are influenced by what we discuss here, so they're close to the matter. Hopefully, external ones will bring an element of colour. The, the point is that there are two councillors versus approximately 11, two external people to 11 councillors. So it's not a huge majority, but it's to add an element of diversity to the process. The whole idea of investment is diversity and understanding of, of the environment in, the, in which you're investing. And in fact, if you had an investment committee of 20 people, you'd have a better result. Looking around the councils we've identified as people sitting on the board, we've actually got quite a lot of talent. It's got to be trained and, and, and improved on, over and over, but we've got a lot of talent. But we do, we do lack um, two, I think, two people who add value to that part by being non-councillor oriented. They think about the people, they live amongst the people, and they come with a different kind of experience. Uh, Councillor Coote, if you want to come back. I will stand up. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, Thank so, you. Yeah, the second part of my question, Councillor Perhurst, was how does that happen? Does it mean that, you know, you get two of your friends to sit with you? Or does it mean it comes back to this council? How does it happen? The right way to do it would be, as we're going to do, is to advertise for the position and interview people who are candidates. Once those been, they have been proposed, the investment board itself will appoint them. Councillor Caton. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, first of all, can I seek a clarification from Councillor Fairhurst on... Paragraph 30B, it says, depending upon the investment sought by Aspire MRH Limited and the asset team, working with professional advisors, identify investments that meet the protocol set up by the IB, the investment board, and prepares investment business cases for each suitable opportunity for consideration by Cabinet. The boards of Aspire CRP Limited and Aspire MARH Limited approve the investment business cases prior to submission to the investment board. Does that really mean that the business cases go straight to the cabinet and not to the investment board? Is the, or has it been? badly worded, because if it's badly worded, we should not be approving it. It's a good question. Um, I don't know if it's great and well worded. It's a long, 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 long sentence. But the idea should always be that the business case itself, I'm fine that it's approved by the MRH or whoever's bringing it to the IB, but the IB itself, the investment board, should be considering a business case as an asset, as the quality of an asset. At that point, the IB will make recommendations to the cabinet. I must stress, and we fought for this, although as a working group, the investment board does not have decision-making power, the cabinet has agreed to have a clause in the, in, the, in the setting up of this that they will not reject or dispel, dismiss those recommendations of the investment board without, that are unreasonable. So, not reasonably dismissed. My English is just because of the letters. But the idea is we are trying to imbue the investment board with a semi-autonomous process. 
can, 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 right, can, can I now thank you for that. Um, it confirmed what I, I thought. I mean, some of us uh, have concerns about this strategy um, and because it lacks sufficient challenge uh, during the decision-making process. It lacks separation of roles in some key areas. Uh, it actually lacks a positive approach to sh risk sharing. Um, and it's also, you say it's a strategy, but it has, has no targets for income generation in it and no mention of the possibility of having other in, uh, funding streams which can actually help provide uh, or support projects that benefit Uttlesford. And I take the, take the example uh, currently of green energy. If we're going to be clear or keen on meeting our climate emergency goals, then we have got to look internally to see if there are opportunities for both investment and achieving our carbon reductions. I mean, I also, it was rather fortunate that the uh, LGA sent out a, uh, the October edition of their uh, magazine and had a page on commercialisation of council. And as a member of Scrutiny, I was very taken by one paragraph which says, Embrace challenge. Scrutiny is a valuable part of the governance process. Engage early with scrutiny colleagues and use it to constructively build robustness into the process. Help to identify and address any challenges early on. Yet, this strategy says nothing about how the, it's going to involve scrutiny before the start of the process. Neither, can I, I note, has there been any all-member briefing on the, the next agenda item as promised in the strategy before us. The separation of roles I wish to make it clear that I'm, my comments don't relate to the post holders uh, personally, but to their roles in delivering the commercial strategy. We are asking officers to undertake conflicting roles where there should be separation through Chinese-style walls. The Director of Finance should not perform his day job an investment manager's role and have the judiciary duties of a director of two of the council's wholly owned subsidiaries or owned companies. Two assistant directors are also put in similar situations. Joint working with other councils should not be an afterthought in paragraph 33 the final paragraph of the strategy, but a core consideration of the strategy to spread risks among a number of investors. We do it for our staff pensions, why not apply the same principle to our investments? I notice Aspire UDC 
the cabinet has agreed that Aspire UDC will have two executive and two non-executive directors. The quorum or the, of the company is two directors. That means that two directors of either category will be able to make key decisions. That is not good governance. Surely we can do better than that. As custodians of Uttlesford council taxpayers' money, we need to get this strategy right, rather than rubber stamp it in a hurry. I would urge members to vote against this strategy so that we can rectify these faults. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Caton. Um, Councillor Ferris, I'm sure you want to reply. It's a complex arguments here, I feel that we're not going to be able to deal with them adequately. Mr. Chairman, they're all good, good, good arguments, good questions, and most invalid. Um, but there are at least seven of them, so I'm going to try and go to them by point. If I leave anything out, please, please, please stop me. But before I do, I'm going to start by saying, as I said before, strategy is a living document, and it's supposed to move and adjust as new ideas and new concepts come to the fore. I'm going to go from your beginning, and the first one says it lacks rigor or it lacks... Um, um, accountability or something. I didn't quite catch that. I need you to ask for an explanation of that. Just hold on that. Second is it lacks risk sharing. That worries me a lot because, quite honestly, that's my background. This is about risk. And I stress and I support what you say. This is not our money. It's not our risk. It's the risk of residents. It's residents' money for the next 50 years. And always mindful that we have to consider that when we impose governance. So that's something I need you to clarify for me and, and I will answer it up as well as I can. It also says it, we're not looking at other investment streams. And I don't agree with you there. The whole point of investment boards is to look at all investment streams, but they are investment streams. This is not a, a room that buys and sells and acquires and, and, and disposes of assets. It's an investment board that looks to de derive a commercial benefit out of investing money. It is completely separate and must be separate through Chinese walls and solid walls from the process of delivering services to, the, to our residents. That's our job. It's got to be separate, which is why I've urged for no council to sit on both sides of that fence. They have to be discreet in their process. There's a thing called climate goals. Yes, that was mentioned at the very first meeting of the investment board. Um, it was proposed and discussed that we would look specifically at not only looking at new assets which have a climate um, a component that are energy neutral, that have solar panels and maybe even have, for example, beehives at, at, at Chesterfield Park. We need these things. We have to consider those. It's part of our DNA. And just before I get to scrutiny, I just want to say, and all those questions you raised are the kinds of questions I'd like to raise the investment board, because that's its job. Let me be absolutely clear here, and it is, it is, it is it's much less complicated than it sounds. The primary role of the commercial strategy is to create and empower an investment board to define where it sits and separate those powers. The investment board then must work through the question you raise and ask, can we do better? For example, your question number seven was, um, shouldn't we look at joint working with other um, um, authorities? Absolutely. That'll be first on the agenda for me, because of course we should. The whole point of diversification is one asset, 50 million pounds for 50 years, is a, maybe a brilliant asset, great quality, but for one authority, spread over five, it's, an even, it's a ten times the quality of its asset. So this is the kind of thoughts hopefully we'll have at an investment board. 
and we'll achieve those objectives. So this is a process of an iterative process. We gradually improve what we're doing. But you, most of the points, as I say, we're right. The question you also mentioned, question number five, is the role of scrutiny. It's critical. That's the, that's the watchdog. That's the policeman that sits and decides, are the processes correct? And I've already accepted the invitation from scrutiny to attend at their next meeting to try and explain and discuss this process. And I suggest I won't answer all the questions there either. But it's a process I feel passionate about because I feel, up until now, we have been exposed. That doesn't mean we're going to lose a lot of money. It means that we should follow the protocols that normal bankers would do, normal investors do, people with skills and qualifications do. We need to address those same deals. And you've heard this in the room, I have talked about it a lot. We are making the right steps in the right direction, but this is not the solution. This is one step in the right direction. I, I think the question of your, number six, I'll just touch on that, the question of finance director and roles is very important, and we will gradually sort that out as well. We have to decide who sits on what side of the fence and how discreet our governance is and to who, and who makes the decisions that needs power concentrated in small areas or grand areas. But it is fairly complicated. It's hard to put in a document. It really is. Yes, thank you, Councillor Ferris. I'm anxious to hear from other councillors on this matter. We have to vote on this shortly. Uh, are there other councillors that wish to contribute um, rather than the, the usual suspects, as it were? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Councillor Fairhurst, for your exposition. Uh, I too, actually, would rather like to see the proposal fleshed out in terms of uh, governance, duties, obligations, uh, and the like. Uh, I speak as a member of the scrutiny committee. And to that extent, I would uh, recommend that further work be done before we actually consider and vote on this particular um, proposal this evening. But generally, I think it's a work in progress, but one which I would very much uh, support with some more detail uh, flesh to be put on the skeleton. Thank you. Uh, does that require a response, perhaps? Okay. Councillor Caton, briefly, if you can, please. Thank you. I, I, can I just comment on the last two speakers? I mean, I'm very happy if uh, we kind of defer this decision until more work is done, because I do think it is essential that we get it right now than uh, actually do it piecemeal uh, and c come in, you know, uh, and hit problems further down the line. Yeah, Councillor Caton, I am sympathetic to that, but I must defer to Councillor Ferris in this matter. I am told that it's important that we can progress this matter. Uh, on the other hand, I personally feel I'd like more substance, but maybe we can address both of those. We can, we can have our cake and eat it too. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Let's try that. Cake and eat it. I agree. I agree that there are large portions of the commercial strategy which will continue to be evolving, and the more impotent, the better the results will be. Um, the visit to the scrutiny committee, I'm sure, will be very informative. The problem we do have in the room tonight, though, is that we haven't approved the investment board. And it's a bit of a sort of a, a, a catch-22 situation. Until we have the worthy gentleman empowered to sit around a table and discuss these and arrive at decisions about governance and quality and the investment protocol, we'll go around in circles. 
We're trying to solve something that's three years old and it's a substantial exposure. To postpone the entire process means we don't have an investment board until we have an investment, a, court, a commercial strategy. So might I suggest as, 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 as a, a compromise, we accept the investment board and we follow up with the, this investment strategy as a tentative process until the next time. That way we do start the ball rolling at least. Am I hearing that we are, if we, if we approve this, that we are going to approve subject to conditions. Is that what I'm hearing? No, Councillor Caton, sorry, but you've been an awful lot of bandwidth from your caller. Councillor Dean, briefly, please. I, I got considerable problems, problems with it as it stands at the moment. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst said that this is one step in the right direction, and, and it's true it is a step in that we've actually got something on paper for the first time. But remember that some of us have been pushing for this since end of 2018, I think. Um, so, but, but, but we must not, uh, I think, agree something just simply because we haven't had anything up to now. The, the primary responsibility for making decisions on investments is with this council. So therefore, I don't think we should let loose any board to start doing things. I agree entirely that an informal or groups of people, including scrutiny, by all means go over this and, and improve it. I think that's the right thing. But I think just because I think it would be wrong to establish a board because I don't actually understand where it fits into the system because you've got loops in this diagram on page 26 or whatever it is, you know, with green lines and red lines, and uh, I can't work out what the purpose of the cabinet is sitting in the middle um, with the board that's reporting to it. So there are, there are lots of things that I think really need to think through because it is responsibility, and I'm, I'm concerned that the setting up of a, a board of 14 people, 14 people, um, some of them are going to be sleeping members, aren't they? Because there won't be they'll all be arguing amongst themselves or, the, or some will go to sleep because there'll be nothing for them to do I think it's about tightness and accountability and people who are the right people to do the job not just packing it with numbers so that we've got uh, so many people from the cabinet and so many people from anywhere else and you know there are other things that, there's no reference in here to the, the values and the ethics of the cabinet would wish to adopt in, in, its, um, in, in the way it goes about investments. And I think that that's crucial because we, want, we don't want to be making decisions just because somebody says you can get so many percent a month. Um, so I, I, I've got a lot of, lot of points and I'm not going to go through the rest of them. I really do sincerely think that the whole thing should be referred back and brought back to our December meeting, by which time I, I hope it's much tighter and clearer as to how it's supposed to work, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Dean. I, I have some sympathy with that. I, I've always been unconvinced about the merit of councils becoming entrepreneurs, which is basically what we're required to do, but that's not a matter for discussion tonight. Are there other councils that would like to contribute to this? Yes, one moment, one moment. <laughs> There's a particular sector of this uh, chamber which is very uh, appropriately vocal, may I say. Enthusiastic, that's the word to look for. Are there any other members that wish to contribute to this at the moment? 
Uh, the leader wishes to contribute. Councillor yes. Lodge, please. Thank you. So very, very interesting contributions. And um, ob obviously it is work in progress. That is absolutely admitted. We have another issue in um, that we're going to have to set a budget for next year. Um, we, we, I think we're all aware that there is a necessity to make those investments which will fund the budget and which will allow this council to operate in the way it wishes to operate. This is not an ideal environment, but as has been mentioned by myself and other people this evening, we're in a situation where central government is strangling us. Now, we don't want to be in this position. We don't want to have to make decisions that are too quick, and we would love to devote more time to developing the strategy. We do not have this, that luxury. We have to get on to fund this council to allow it to do its work. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Leader. Um, that helps me, certainly. Uh, I need a seconder for this motion. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Coote, thank you. It's been posed and seconded. Councillor Har Hargreaves, do you wish to speak? He wants to come back. Okay, fine. One moment. Councillor Fairhurst, do you want to come back? Yes, Mr Chairman. Um, I just need to point out, because the room seems to have... I may have misled them. I don't want to do that. Um, that on the 21st of February 2019, we approved the strategy... And the small deviation of the strategy that we complain about is the investment board itself being established. It was then called the SIG, which I didn't understand. But the parts that we've changed are the parts we need most urgently. The ones we've approved on the 21st of February, the ones we stuck with. I'm happy to overturn that. That's the will of the people. But this is what we agreed sort of seven months ago. Um, so for what it's worth. Thank you, uh, Councillor. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. I'm going to move to a vote on this. Uh, Councillor. Councillor Foley. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, there is, in many areas, there seems to be broad agreement, and it would be a real shame if this was voted on party lines, which I got the sense that it would be. There is then, I would say, a subject to uh, coming through here, isn't there? The, 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 um, the, the concerns that, that are there are subject to a number of issues which you've already agreed. Is it not possible... Uh, to form words that we know that we need to move on, we know that this is necessary in the long run, but subject to conditions. Is that something that you uh, would be willing to do? Councillor Fairhurst, can you help us with that? Yes, indeed. I mean, obviously the, most, the easiest thing to do is say, well... Sorry, we're just taking advice. Can you just hold my moment? I think I've got this. Can I just, um, Councillor Ferris, uh, the suggestion is, uh, guidance from the officers, is that we could approve this now, but ask that you uh, bring back a, a more comprehensive account of what this investment strategy looks like. Because basically, as you've correctly pointed out, it's revised annually, it's voted for annually, 
Uh, I certainly feel, as chairman, that I don't have... <sighs> total confidence. I've had, had muttered in my ear, total confidence. That's not the right expression. I, I, um, I, be quiet, please. <laughs> Sitting on my shoulder here, whispering is... Uh, I feel I would like greater confidence, and uh, I certainly am sympathetic to the fact that we're, we're, we're in uncharted waters here, uh, because councils don't really do this sort of thing very often. So um, I'm planning to... I would like to move to a vote on the original motion. I'd like to move to a vote on the original motion. I think Councillor Fairhurst needs to sum up. We'd like to move an amendment. Councillor Cater would like to move an amendment. Yeah. I mean, what I, I would, what I would like to do is suggest that we, if it is possible, that we approve the board, but we kick the strategy back for further work. Uh, that would mean that we could, that the the board could go ahead and do their thinking and, and feed into a revised strategy. Yes. Okay. Uh, let, let us see what we can do with that. Thank yeah, you. Thank thank you. you. Can you switch off your microphone? Councillor Fairhurst, is this, uh, Sorry, uh, is this something we can work with? Yes, it'll get on. Um, I totally agree. I think that, let's understand first of all, there is a, an investment strategy out there that we all approved. So that's still extant. There isn't an investment board. So with the amendment, if we say that we, we are staying with the original investment strategy, subject to the, the appointment of an investment board as defined here, as your amendment, I would second that happily. That sounds a way forward to me. Uh, Mr Pugh, do you have... Uh, oh, <laughs> Chief Executive? Chief Executive has a scheme which I think may help. So to assist members, um, if it's agreeable, that the uh, recommendation could be, uh, as set out in paragraph 2, council is requested to approve the commercial strategy, and then a 2A request Councillor Fairhurst bring back a further report following discussions with the scrutiny committee and others with revisions as required. Does that seem to uh, serve the purpose? I, I, I'm, just, I, I'm just reluctant to give the approval to a strategy in an interim. I'm quite happy to give the, the decision for the board uh, to be arranged, but I, I do think that the strategy needs to be re reviewed and, and actually referred back. I mean, I, I'm aware that the officers might be thinking about the subsequent item, which really should be considered in light of the strategy. But I'm quite prepared to forget about that for this, uh, this decision. Um, but I'm not prepared to to uh, have a strategy that I disagree with. Yeah, I cannot good. vote for it, to be honest. Need to improve it. Yeah, need to improve it. Uh, 
councillors, this is no. This is a complex issue. It's not something we're going to resolve at 9:30 at night. There's a lot of work which needs to be done before we could arrive at a clear view. That's certainly my opinion. Um, I have two choices. I can stop discussion on this matter uh, and go to a vote, or I could refer, defer the matter for more information. I'm informed that the latter movement, the latter would be unwise because we're up against the clock on this. Am I right on this or not? Members, if I could advise, so uh, as Councillor Fairhurst has explained, the substance of the, what is now called the commercial strategy is based on our current investment strategy with the addition of the investment board. If members wish to vote on the investment board but set the, commercial, the rest of the commercial strategy aside, you go back to the approved investment strategy, which is almost identical. Do you see what? So the investment, the commercial strategy before you is the 1920 approved investment strategy with the inclusion of the additional governance, governance arrangements. So should members choose to set aside the substance of the commercial strategy but for the governance arrangements, we revert to the adopted, already approved investment strategy, which is in essence the same. So the idea. So you don't address your fundamental issues. If you address, if you adopt the commercial strategy, which includes the governance arrangements, and request Council Fair has come back with further amendments, you are at least have a governance structure which can work these through. If I may, Chair, can I just address Councillor Dean's point? Nothing in this strategy takes away the decision-making authority of the Council. The Cabinet, the Investment Board and the Cabinet are routes to recommend to Council. The Council retains, full Council retains the uh, decision-making. We're taking further advice. Bear with us. Councillor Sell, is that a point of order? Or? Yes. How do you know? It's trying to be helpful, Chairman. Um, if Councillor Fairhurst is willing to say, which I think he may well be, that he, he will come back at our December meeting with a revised, a revised agreement, uh, and we, from our part, we'd be quite happy to work with him to show him South Cambridgeshire his investment strategy, etc., then we will not put an obstacle in the way tonight. Yeah. So, subject to his assurance. That sounds uh, a way forward to me. Councillor Fairhurst, does that... Happily to do so. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Happy to do so. Does that mean that we need to modify the... Um... I think Okay, fine. Okay. In that case, we go forward to the vote. It's based upon the undertaking given by Councillor Fairhurst uh, to prepare uh, a more detailed... Some further revisions. A revision of the strategy, yes? 
but on that basis, and Councillor Fairhurst will, I'm confident, deliver that, uh, I would like to proceed to the vote. It's been proposed and seconded. So I would ask all those in favour to show. And those against? And I've abstained, so there we are. That's fine. That is moved almost unanimously. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues. Okay, I think we can move on to the next item, which is related, I'm afraid. Uh, so that's the item 11, the loan to Aspire. Sorry that, that item took, the previous item took a long time, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Yes, I, exactly. Uh, we've exceeded by about three minutes our uh, limit. Is it your wish, councillors, that we continue this meeting? I need your consent to do so. Okay, thank you. Good. So item 11, the loan to Aspire. Uh, and once again, I invite Councillor Fairhurst, if he has any voice left, uh, to present the report. This is on the loan to Aspire MRH. Uh, and the recommendation is the opportunity to acquire... 10 student accommodation apartments in Cambridge, and we can all go and live there. So, Councillor Fairhurst, please tell us about this. Thank you, Mr Chairman. What we have in front of us is an asset, and the prospect of acquiring that asset, first the question is, do we ask ourselves, is it a quality asset? That means, is its return on investment relative to its, its risk a good one? The next question we have to ask ourselves, and hopefully the investment board will be doing it in the future, is whether that quality asset fits within the terms of our portfolio in terms of our risk, appetite, our time horizon, and so on. In this case, we have a fairly small investment, approximately $2 million. I assume everyone's read it and enjoyed it. There are some marvellous pictures if you want to see them. Um, but the key ingredients for me are not whether it's a good asset. That you can calculate yourself on a risk-return basis. We all know where Cambridge is. We all know the quality of the university. And we all we can see from this the, the, the potential risks of, of voids or turnover of stuff or of, of tenants. The issue is, it, does this asset fall comfortably within our current portfolio. And I stress, this is why it's a complicated process. Our existing portfolio effectively is a 50 million exposure. I differ with our, our, our finance director in the sense that I see it as one asset, and he sees it as many, many different assets with different tenants, but it's still in one space and in one particular um, geography and one particular industry. That is a certain level of risk. This is a different, slightly similar geography, it's also in Cambridge, but it's a different type of product. It's student accommodation, it's residential. So there's a different kind of lifespan and turnover. These things must, in some way, add value to our portfolio by diversifying out of the current risk. So anything, ironically, would be better than continuing to spend more and more money on the same space. That's the sort of question we have to make a decision ourselves in front of us here. Now, obviously, our investment board has looked at this. We have read it. We've, been, we've spent a couple of months going through it, in fact. There certainly has been some diligence. But, and I stress this, it has not been through the, the utopian investment board process, cabinet, and the council, which we're going to wonderfully end at some point. I will, in the future, not, and I will, I will not be voting for this, for or against this, because governance says I shouldn't do that. I'm also not going to sell it to you. It is what it is. It's in front of you. You have to make your own views, and the decision of this council will then allow us to move forward. Thank you. 
Excellent, thank you. This is a hands-off, no-sales talk. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Um, I, I will need, a, 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 in a moment I shall ask for a proposal in a second. Uh, before I do that, uh, would any councillors like to speak to this matter? Those that aren't exhausted from the previous one. Ah, uh, uh, Councillor Jard, please. Very, very briefly, I mean, I do think that the diversification factor is a good one. I think that the, um, overall the investment board will decide on what we are looking at in the future. Um, and yes, I think that if we are able to accumulate uh, a large number of smaller diversified investments, I personally think that is the way to go. So I think this is a good idea in principle. I know it hasn't gone through all of the processes that it may have to go through, but in principle, I think it's a good idea. Thank you. Well, we are looking for the utopian uh, approach. Uh, anybody finds it, please do inform us, and in particular, Councillor Fairhurst. Uh, would any other members like to speak to this? Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Um, when I first saw this, I thought, well, yes, it looks like a good investment, but as it had not... Um, at that time, a few weeks ago, gone through any process, I was minded actually to vote against it. However, um, having heard that it has gone through the investment board, I'm now minded to vote in favour. And I would just stress the importance actually of the investment board, um, so that it has at least been there, been looked at and been judged adequate. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Dean, please. I'm confused. What investment board has it been through if it's only just been established this evening? <laughs> Time board. I'll allow Councillor Fairhurst to answer that before I come back to you. Oh, what a tangle we've weaved. We, 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 um, we have sat on two occasions as a group and discussed the process. That's not an investment board, but it's the same folks and they have applied demands to the process. This is not a pure process. It hasn't been done. So it's certainly better than two or three people making the decision, which I would never support. But it is not yet. It hasn't been through a, an investment protocol. That's the most important consideration. Does it meet with our minimum criteria? It hasn't done that, but it's a very small asset. To be honest, that's part of the problem. It's a two million asset against a portfolio of 50 million. What we should be saying is to diversify out of this kind of asset, we need probably 10 or 15 million of this kind of asset to give any kind of diversity. But it is what it is. Uh, Councillor Cusioni. Thank you, Chair. I wasn't going to speak, actually, but I've decided I will. Um, it didn't go to an investment board, but it went to all of the uh, prospective members of that board. I can attest to that. I had good consideration of the opportunity. Um, I'm still trying to work out the conflict in my mind as to the level of scrutiny that the investment board should uh, adhere to and the flexibility that it should have in order to carry out its functions and try and make some good investments in good time because ultimately these things work at considerable pace. Um, I'm confident in my mind, but I've seen the information in front of me that members of this uh, prospective board that, that now exists uh, has also seen that, and so I'll, I'll be supporting it. Thank you, Councillor Crisioni. Um, I'm, yes, Councillor Khan, please. Thank you. Uh, I'll try and be brief. Thank you, Chair. Uh, well, just to respond to that, um, 
So I was sent the details, uh, but actually I didn't comment uh, and I didn't respond to the finance director purely simply because the board had not been constituted. And so this is about a matter of due process. And actually the merits of the bid, I support the merits of the bid, I'm not against it, but what I'm actually trying to uh, make a point on is that it went to an informal group now, how can we look the residents in the eye and say that we are uh, adhering to scrutiny if we're just going to bypass this one? Uh, so I make that point and I make that comment. This is about transparency. It is about being clear about our own governance. So whilst I accept that it went to a group of, of people and I'm one of those named groups, you will note that I did not respond at all because that board was not formally constituted. I'm not against the bid. I think the approach or I think the proposal is a good one, uh, but I don't think it's right that it hasn't gone through due process. And we can't bypass it, and we can't say, well, it went to an email group and that's it. How do we look at residents in their eye if they start to question us about this? From the chair, I would say that um, it is about to go through council one way or the other. So that is as good a democracy as we're likely to get on this. Councillor Fairhurst? Thank you, Councillor Khan. That's exactly the point. And for three years, we've lived with an investment of 50 million without an investment board. You're absolutely right. Governance is not, it's not a compromise. Governance, you have to use absolute rigor to determine anything. We are in a situation where we have acquired 50 million. We do have costs to meet, we have budgets to make, and so we have to consider these issues. But I'm really pleased that we started to grasp the need for the governance, the clarity, the transparency, and the, the focus concentration of powers. The decision tonight is, can we make this decision on a small asset, relatively small asset, of two million pounds, um, or do we say, hold on a moment, this is a high-risk situation, or it's not the pure utopia we talk about? I suspect it's a difficult decision. Hi, colleagues. Uh, I think we could debate this for another couple of hours, but I don't think it will throw any more light onto anything. Uh, do we have a proposer for this motion? Councillor Hargreaves. Do I have a seconder for this motion? Let's try somebody else. Um, Councillor Pavitt. Thank you. Proposed and seconded. I'm going to move to a vote. Um, Okay, uh, I'm going to move to a vote. I'm not going to record the vote. I just want a show of hands, please. Those in favour, please show. Those against? One, two, against. And I am abstaining. So that is carried. Council Thank you, councillors. <laughs> Are we looking at party lines here? That's what <laughs> You can't be, you, councillors, you can't be on party lines unless you want to have your arms put under a cam so they go up together like that all at once. I think that brings us to the end of the business, Chief Executive. So thank you very much for your forbearance, councillors. I'm going to declare the meeting closed.